This morning, I'd like to uh, consider with you um, the theme, um, the theme on how how the kingdom of God progresses, um, and we'll be looking at two very two very tiny parables. And uh, I'd like to, with God's help, like to see um, something of the growth and how how the kingdom of God, God's uh, rule uh, in Christ. How that expands and um, and grows, and so we'll be reading uh, from Matthew this morning, Matthew thirteen, verse thirty-one to thirty-three. Hear the word of the Lord. He, Jesus, put another parable before them, saying. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all Levens. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, which is living and active. We pray that, that you would powerfully move in, into our hearts, that you would, you would transform us, you would renew us, God, and uh, help us to see um, yeah, something of the, the glory of your kingdom and, 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 and the way in which it grows and, and expands. God, we pray for spiritual eyes. To see, uh, to see truth clearly, um, Spirit of God, open us, open our eyes, our hearts, um, that we might uh, see, see you, you, um, see you clearly, um, and in all your majesty and beauty, God, at this time. And so we thank you. We pray you would be with us now, and in Jesus' name, Amen. Joshua Bell is a, a world. A class violinist. He played the violin since he was four, and really a, a child prodigy. And at 17, he played at um, Carnegie Hall, and and since then he played uh, the violin for some of the best orchestras and uh, conductors, and even with some celebrities. Um, Tickets to his performances would would be uh, would cost, uh, and se- it would sell out at a hundred bucks, hundred dollars plus. It would always be sold out anywhere he does a concert. He owns a, a ridiculously expensive violin called the Stradivarius. Some of you music people might know what that is, but it's uh, it costs it costs a little under four million. Dollars. There's even a documentary showcasing the history of this violin. Called it's called the Return of the Violin. And one day, Washington Post reached out to Joshua Bell and asked him, "Why don't we do a, a social experiment? What if you took a, a world-class violinist, right, and place him in a a a a, a, a subway station and have him play?" The same song that he played a few days ago at at the famous concert hall uh, just down the street. Um, 
And will, will people recognize him? Right? Will they at least stop to listen to, to and soak in all the beauty of his music? And so one day he put on uh, some street clothes. He, did, he didn't have a tuxedo on like he normally does, would have. He put on a baseball cap and he didn't tell anyone who he was. And, um, and so it was done out of cuff, no promotions. And he took his $4 million violin and he played the same song. For an hour. So the same violinist, the same song, with the same violin, just different setting. And as expected, very few people actually paid attention. Um, it was estimated that a thousand people passed by, but, uh, but only uh, seven people stopped uh, to listen to him. And, and you, you see, It's kind of like that with the kingdom of God, too. Uh, it, looks, it looks unimpressive. Um, and as a result, it, it can be often overlooked. Its power often underestimated. Its workings often mocked. And just like the hundreds of people who, who walked by and didn't recognize the world-class violinist, so we can go about our business every day and not recognize his kingdom. Right? Because, and the one commentator says, because of the way the kingdom looks, the crowd is tempted to ignore it. So it's so easy to walk right past it, even though it may be breaking in right now, powerfully, right in your own, right in your life, in your family, at your workplace, we can still easily miss it. And in our passage, right, Matthew 13, uh, 31 to 33, Jesus shares a parable, he shares two parables, rather, of a mustard seed and leaven. And, and you know, Jesus spoke in parables often, which parables are stories, right? Stories of earthly realities that reveal or conceal heavenly truth. There's the stories that um, speak to, that, that use earthly things, to reveal or conceal heavenly realities. And, and, and Jesus, in these, um, in these parables, he wants to illustrate the, the progress of God's kingdom between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And he's, wanting to, he wants to, he's trying to describe what God's kingdom is like and, and how it grows. And so I want to... I wanna, um, Look at this theme, this thesis here. Takeaway for today is that the kingdom appears unimpressive. It does look unimpressive in the beginning, but, but will end with glorious results. The kingdom appears unimpressive in the beginning, but it will ultimately end with glorious results. First, the kingdom in the world appears unimpressive. Verse 31, 33, we read, that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So here Jesus compares God's kingdom in the world to a mustard seed which a man had sowed in the field. If you know anything about agriculture, which I don't, A mustard seed is um, 
according to Jesus here, he describes it as one of the smallest seeds. And it was the smallest seed known to the people in, in, uh, in Palestine uh, at that time. And in fact, if, if I held one right now, you would not be able to see uh, the seed. It's that small. Um, it, it's, it is said that it takes 750 mustard seeds uh, in total to weigh as much as a single uh, regular paperclip. It's, it's that small. But though it is, in, though it is, is uh, uh, seemingly insignificant at first, this seed eventually becomes the largest tree in the garden, we're told. So large that the birds find shelter under its shade. You see, just like a tiny mustard seed, the kingdom will appear small initially. But from this small beginning, it becomes a glorious kingdom in the end. A tree, the, the largest tree in the garden. It's unimpressive in its initial form. And I want to suggest to you five ways it, 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 it's, uh, it, it seems um, unimpressive. This, 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 this kingdom is unimpressive um, in, the way, uh, in the way that the king, the, the king of the kingdom is uh, unimpressive, seemingly. Right? The kingdom has a, a lowly king. Think of his humble entrance into the world. Born in a barn. Raised in an obscure town called Nazareth. Of which uh, Nathaniel asked, Can any good thing come from Nazareth? A wandering rabbi from the back country of Galilee, a carpenter by trade. And during his ministry, he would perform miracles, right? Draw crowds, massive crowds, and then he would immediately disperse them away. And you think, if you want to start a worldwide movement, right? You would want more followers. You would want a bigger crowd. But he doesn't do that. And you think about this kingdom. This kingdom looks like a king who would hang on a cross with a, with a sign above his head saying, King of the Jews. And if you know, if you recall, this was the religious elites shaming and mocking uh, him. He saves others, but he cannot save himself. This is your king. Right? So the, our kingdom has a king that is seemingly unimpressive, but it also... Has, a, has citizens that are seemingly unimpressive, right? It, it is from the, the band of 12 un, uneducated men that the kingdom would emerge. Jesus didn't choose people with positions of, of prominence and power to be his followers. Instead, he calls 12 ordinary uh, fishermen, the broken, the battered, the social outcast, lepers and, and tax collectors, the marginalized, children, women, orphans. And God calls mustard-seed-sized mustard people and makes, makes them citizens of a mustard-seed-sized kingdom. And, and, you know, some of you can testify to this, right, this morning. That, that's what King Jesus did in your life, right? When he called you, when he made you citizens of his kingdom, when, he, when you felt like you had no hope and future in this world, when you felt like, when you didn't have no status in this world, when there was no place for you in this world, Jesus called you 
and brought you into his royal family. He has given you a name when you had no name. He has given you a status in his kingdom when you had no status. But not just its citizens, but also our, our, the, 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 the arms, the weapons that we use uh, as his um, citizens, right? Because when you remember, if you recall, 10 days after the uh, ascension, right, of Christ in the book of Acts, you see their uh, disciples, right? Disciples and women, women and men, 120 of them, gathered in the upper room, uh, praying and fasting to God. That's what it looks like. The, weapon, our, our, the weapons are, uh, of prayer. It, it looks like the faithful few um, diligently meeting at church, at New City Fellowship, praying for you and me. There are sisters and brothers praying to God with tears on your behalf and on my behalf that you would be blessed, that you would be sustained. That, that's how the kingdom grows. And it progresses through the preaching of the message. That's the other weapon, right? This message that was offensive to the Jews. The, the message that was a foolishness in the eyes of the Greeks. But not only in its weapons and its citizens and its kings, but also in its ways, the, the ways of the kingdom. The, 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 the kingdom is also proved to be unimpressive in its subversive ways, right? The principle of the first will be last and the last shall be first. Jesus, in, in John 12, he taught an upside-down kingdom way of life to his disciples when he said, when he compared uh, himself to a seed, right? He said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. What he was saying to them was that, to the disciples, in a few hours, the Romans would arrest me and kill me, but this is the way of the kingdom. This is the pattern that I have established. Sure, I, I died and rose again in order to save you, but, and, and that is fundamental. You don't imitate that. That is unique. That's a unique death, a unique resurrection. But I also died and rose also to establish a pattern. And that's how my kingdom works. It works like a tiny seed dying and entering the ground. What's the job of a seed? It's to die in the ground and expect the great fruit from it. You see, the way of the king is the way of the cross. It's the way of bearing your own cross. You save your life by losing it. You win by, by losing. And so you don't try it to do it another way. Don't do it another way. Don't do it by hatred. Don't do it by violence. Don't do it by using power to exploit and manipulate. That's not how I build my kingdom. My kingdom is built through self-denial, sacrifice, overcoming evil with good. Just like the mustard seed that dies in the ground and expects great things uh, to come from it. One commentator writes, The cross is not a detour or a hurdle on the way to the kingdom, nor is it even the way to the kingdom. It is the kingdom come. But, but lastly, it's, it's seemingly un, uh, insignificant in, in its invisible workings. And what I mean by that is that, um, that the kingdom works not in visible ways. Yes, there are visible manifestations, 
but is primarily in an internal, internal work. Notice in the parable of the leaven, right? We are told that the woman hid, hid the flour in the flour. That's a key word. That's an operative word there. Um, she hid the leaven. You see, we, can, we cannot see the process of leavening with our physical eyes. And in the same way, we cannot see the growth of the kingdom in our heart because it is invisible. It is, it's hidden from our view. Again, like I said, the effects of, of this kingdom working in us is, will become visible, but the, the, change, the change in us is from the inside out. And the problem with the Pharisees was that they were so concerned about cleaning the outside, right, the outside of their cups, while neglecting the sin in their own hearts. And while they might have appeared pious on the outside, Jesus was primarily concerned with cleaning the inside. You see, God's kingdom is, in the world is seemingly unimpressive. It is seemingly um, inconspicuous. I know we like to talk about the, the conspicuousness of, our, of the, the kingdom, our public witness, but there is a, an inconspicuous uh, character to it in the eyes of, of the world. And... Um, and, 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 think, and imagine for the disciples hearing this, right? Hearing that the kingdom was like a tiny seed. It must have been surprising. It must have been dis- disappointing. Because when they look around, when they look around, all they see is the kingdom of Rome, right? It is, it is already taking control of the, of the known world. And they have taken control by force and by military power. And the disciples... They were expecting a, a, a powerful Messiah, right, who would bring revolution, who would, who would bring re, uh, liberation from, from oppression and all her enemies. They were seeking blessings of the messianic age right here and right now. But here, Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not going to look like that at all. It's going to look like a tiny mustard seed, not impressive according to the standards of this world. And which raises the question, so what... What is it, is it that is going to motivate and encourage these disciples to push the kingdom forward? What, when the kingdoms of the world seem to be only getting bigger and stronger, what will give them confidence that they can, really, they can truly advance his kingdom? Jesus promises them the kingdom will end with great results, which brings us to our second point. God's kingdom will end with great results. You see, we, we have already seen um, that uh, uh, as Pastor Tony has, has been walking, walking us through the book of Acts, we saw how the kingdom progressed uh, from Jerusalem uh, into Samaria, hundreds of people coming to Christ, the kingdom breaking in powerfully throughout the regions. And since then, the kingdom has expanded, right? West to, to Europe and south to, to Africa and to the other continents of the world. And, and we sit here today uh, worshiping God with millions of brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And so certainly it has grown since its beginnings. But even with all this growth, we are still like a mustard seed. We're still like the tiny leaven in comparison to what, will, what we will ultimately become. Because Jesus promises in verse 32 that this seemingly insignificant mustard seed 
will eventually become a large tree. So I want to look uh, at uh, two results, two great results that this, this, uh, this seed will become. First, it will become a, a life-giving kingdom. In other words, the, the, the future kingdom, when Jesus returns, when that future kingdom comes, it will restore and renew all things. And we see this in both, uh, we see this in both parables. We read of the birds, right? The birds that come to the tree and find refuge under its shade. It finds healing. It finds rest. And it is also said that the seed can grow, um, grow as tall as uh, uh, two human beings. It can grow as, as tall as 15 feet. And the point is of that is that the tree, it will be so tall that it would bridge heaven and earth that it would be a kind of a ladder, a connection, where, uh, where uh, God will be mediating all the heavenly life uh, to all things. And, and, um, and we're talking about the new heavens and the new earth. And secondly, in the parable of the leaven, notice that it was mixed in with the three um, measures of flour. This is not uh, bread that you get from... Sarah leaves. This was actually 50 pounds of flour, right? You, you can feed uh, 100 people with this amount of flour. And what happens is that the, the little leaven, it works itself through the 50 pounds of flour and it causes the flour to rise. It's very powerful. It's saying that the leaven works itself through the flour and it impacts uh, everything it touches. Nothing is left untouched. So this, what is Jesus saying here? Um, Jesus is saying that this kingdom is like a tall tree that bridges heaven and earth. It's like the leaven that permeates the entire batch of flour and nothing is left unaffected. So the kingdom, right? The kingdom will bring life to where there is death. It will bring justice where there is injustice. It will bring pardon where there is sin, bring joy where there is sorrow, healing where there is sickness, restoration where there is brokenness, reconciliation where there is division. God's kingdom would have its effect throughout the world. One commentator says, uh, Jesus' present work is beginning of a powerful process which will eventually lead to the reconciliation and renewal of all creation. The kingdom of Jesus' understanding was something comprehensive. The parable looks forward to the time when all God's enemies are defeated and God's purpose of bringing all things together under one head. Another says, The, the hidden spread of the kingdom will have a most powerful effect on the life of society around the church. It will affect the business life, the social customs, the morals, political life, the art, music, poetry of this world. In every sphere of that society where the gospel is preached and received there will be changes and modifications. The presence of the kingdom in this world, in fact, produces a type of society leavened by the gospel. Disturbing social effects have resulted. When leaven is introduced into the dough, there may at first be little effect but soon there is an upheaval and disturbance, a violent fermentation spreading through the whole mass of the dough. The influence of the leaven penetrates every particle 
and nothing is left unchanged. Nothing can prevent the leaven, once introduced, from modifying every part of the whole mass. That is how the gospel will act on human society. It will produce disturbance, reaction, and conflict wherever it is sown, right through the whole range of human life. So it will affect everything. And it is said, uh, one historian has said that, um, that Christianity has, has had such an impact that, that we actually are, we may be living with its values without even knowing uh, that these values came from Christianity. Um, um, and the improvements that we see uh, in our world, uh, better treatment of, of women and things like that, can be attributed to the, the, the kingdom as it expands, it touches and affects powerfully um, all things in every aspect of life, not just in our own tiny little personal uh, uh, lives, but uh, in our, our world. That's what this parable is getting at. But it's also a, a, a picture of a future kingdom, lastly, uh, that, that, that welcomes all the nations. You see, we read again that the, 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 the tree becomes so large that the birds will come and find rest. This is harking back to uh, an Old Testament prophecy uh, in Daniel, Daniel 4. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of, about a tree, about a tree uh, which also grew so big that the animals and the birds found shade and, and rest under its, its, its branches. However, this tree, though, Nebuchadnezzar's tree, was immediately chopped down. And so Daniel interprets the dream and says that th- what this means is that all the kingdoms of this world will eventually fall, including Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But in contrast, God's kingdom will not be chopped down, and it will stand forever. And, ba- and according to Ezekiel, 31.6. There you also read the tree, another, a, a tree. A tree and, and birds will come and lodge and find rest. And there Ezekiel refers to these birds as uh, the Gentiles. Right? The Gentiles of this world. So what Jesus is saying here is pretty, uh, is pretty wild. He's saying that the, the, the final kingdom will be a welcoming kingdom. <laughs> A kingdom that welcomes all uh, the tribes and nations and tongues. It's going to be a cosmic tree that will welcome every kind of bird. Tree big enough for, for every nation to find rest and refuge. And so it will invite both the unclean and the clean. Both the Gentile and the Jew. Female and male, slave and free. Alan Dale Dayhoff was, is, a direct, is the director of, of Evangelize Today Ministries. And he tells a story of a, a woman that he met at the restaurant. And um, this was a woman, a young woman in her, 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 her 20s. And as she was waiting on him, Alan um, noticed a, a tattoo. A tattoo. And it was right on her neck, uh, which he thought was, was interesting and quite, uh, rather quite dumb um, and meaningless. And, and it was a tattoo of a bag of Skittles. And so as this woman is waiting on them, Alan asks her, 
uh, tell me about the bag of Skittle that is tattooed on, on your neck. Is there, is there something to that? Like, is there, uh, is there a story behind that? And she said, yes, there is a story. When I was 10 years old, my father walked out on my family. As he was walking out the door, he was drunk. He took a pack of Skittles and he threw it at, at me. And, and he said I was worthless. And the pack of Skittles hit me on the neck and, and I never forgot him that day. Everybody has a story, and people, we all come from different uh, walks of life. But, but Jesus is, is, is encouraging us from this parable that we should be a church here at 700 Birdson where people from every kind of walk with uh, the various different stories, and they, the, uh, we can be a place where they can find safety, where they can find sanctuary. What if New City Fellowship reflected something of this cosmic tree that, that, will be, become, that will become in the end, where people of all walks of life are welcomed, people of every, every tribe, nation, and tongue. A few applications before I close. Uh, three applications. Don't be discouraged. First, don't be discouraged at the often undetect, uh, uh, undetectable progress of the kingdom in your own life or in your brother's or your sister's life. As we live our lives, Christ's kingdom is not always easy to see, right? But just because you cannot see it doesn't necessarily mean that, that nothing is going on below the surface. Christ is powerfully working in you like yeast. His grace is growing in you and in your brother and sister. So don't be discouraged. Second, don't get trapped into the thinking that you need to be famous or, or you need a large platform upon which to speak, to, to in, influence the world for the kingdom of God. Don't think that if only I can go more public, if only I can get bigger and more followers, we don't have a, a big enough name, not a good enough draw. No, we are a mustard seed. We are our leaven. And if, if God has given you a position of, 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 uh, or a platform, good. Thank Him for it and use it for His kingdom. But that doesn't mean that unless we have those things, uh, we can't be influential in this world for His kingdom. God has chosen the foolish things of this world. He has chosen the weak and despised things of this world to accomplish his, king, his plans. And finally, actually, I had two more. Third, do not despise the day of small things. This is from Zechariah 4.10, and I can't get into the, 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 the background of that, but it's speaking to the same um, 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 force, a moral force here as, as the parable. Um, and and I, like, I like to read a few things here. Few don't despise small things that uh, this pastor uh, lists out for us. He says, first, don't despise the small things of prayer by means of which God changes people's hearts. Don't despise the small things of service in the local church by which God is glorified and people encouraged. Don't despise the small things of working in seemingly insignificant place like the church nursery by which you reflect Christ-like compassion and, and love. 
Don't despise the small things like daily Bible reading, by which your heart is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't despise the small things of daily obedience and sacrifice through which your heart is trained and molded after the Savior. Don't despise the small things of putting sin to death by which you are responding to victory, to the victory Christ has won for you. Don't despise the small things like a true gospel joy. These things indicate you are alive and God is thrilling your soul with his son. Don't despise the small things like not getting bitter and walking in the spirit by which you promote the power of the gospel. Don't despise the small things like working hard at your job or school every day. In these things, you show that there is something more profound, more powerful, more worthy than the fluctuating value of the American dollar. So don't despise small things, because we're like mustard seed and the leaven. Lastly, put your ultimate hope in the final and full kingdom that is to come when Jesus returns. When we read the, the news headlines, we can easily lose hope. We can easily be discouraged because the kingdoms of this world seem to be getting better and stronger, but we seem to be getting weaker at times. And, and so look to the future kingdom when Jesus returns, the, the kingdom which he will establish once and for all. Jesus promises that one day, We will become a great kingdom of every nation and every tribe, giving life to all, renewing all things. Well, let, it, let that motivate you to, to continue to aim and, aim and uh, push forward the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. King Jesus, we thank you that you call us your own. You call us into your family, uh, even though... We find ourselves in, um, in um, not-so-prominent places, weak places. Uh, uh, God, we, you still call us to, to, do, uh, to, to do your will. And that is uh, an amazing privilege to, to, to advance the kingdom uh, by your spirit, uh, by, by, living, by living in the way of Jesus. Um, we thank you, Lord, that we can... We can we can be with brothers and sisters, other brothers and sisters who are also uh, um, around, the, around the world who can also, um, or also just like us, uh, uh, like mustard seed and leaven. Help us, Lord, to, to put our hope and confidence in, in the kingdom which you will one day usher uh, into this world. Help us, God, to, to live each day um, and not, not um, ignore and... Uh, and forget and miss out on what you are doing, even in the ordinary mundane things of life. Because you are, are, are powerfully working uh, in our lives. We know that uh, you are because you've, 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 said, you've said so in your word. And so God, we thank you. We pray that uh, you would be with us and bless us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.